normally lose some weight in summer, but um, not possible because I'm not working as hard. Fat and fat and hairy, I think, is the summary. <laughs> well, yes, that's that would be the understatement. <laughs> <laughs> everyone and uh, welcome to another edition of the Housecast. This is a podcast run by a Law House Cricket Club and trying to bring a little bit of sanity into the world at these very difficult times. We have got a few, uh, a couple more of interested businesses uh, looking to, to sponsor the, the podcast. We've got Alexandra Grace Law, to firm of solicitors in Burnley and also SPE Furnishings that also wish to sponsor the podcast, which is fantastic. So we've got Joe Martin and Paddy Martin going to work some jingles with the, uh, Paddy's new guitar and Joe's voice to get some, uh, some jingles in place for our sponsors. And obviously Johnny Russell, who has been with us from the start, from Milltown Pies and Ark Craterers. Once again, can I just ask all the, uh, the listeners... It's fantastic that, that we are, are having so many listeners. We're now up to 500 and, and going beyond each episode. And I'm sure today's guest will take it well above that. If all the listeners, once you find the, the podcast on your provider, if you would subscribe, it does help us with our figures and helps get sponsorships in. So here we go. I hope everyone's keeping well. Uh, I'm Jez Hope. I'm an ex-Lorite player. And I'm here hosting today's show with some two very special guests. We've got uh, a new co-presenter to help me out today. We've got our current first team captain, uh, Ben Hee. Obviously a fantastic lad at the Cricket Club and he's come along to help me to present this. Thanks very much, Ben, for coming along. Uh, how are you keeping in these, uh, these difficult times, Ben? Hiya, Jez. Um, yeah, not too bad. I think initially... Like most people, the first part, first part of the lockdown, I struggled, I'm not going to lie. Um, but now we can get out a little bit and do a little bit more. You know, I'm finding things a little bit easily. Um, Shelley's still been in work, grafting hard. So, you know, I've had a bit of earache off her, just lounging around at home, not doing a great deal, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It is very difficult. And I suppose now, you know, cricket would come along after a winter for us. And that's that's what we all look forward to. But... You know, I think let's all just keep our peckers up and let's keep trying to um, motivate our spectators with things like this. Thanks very much, Ben, for coming on. I really appreciate your help. No problem, Jess. Um, okay, so again, I'll just mention my son, Adam Hope. He, um, he pulls the podcast together, uh, gets everything out on the, uh, on the different formats. So thanks very much for doing that, Adam. Now on to our guests. We've got a guest on this, uh, this afternoon. He's making his second appearance, but we, we couldn't not have him on this episode. It's our one and only Stan Heaton. Thanks very much again, Stan. Uh, how are you doing? Thank you very much indeed, Jez. It's an absolute pleasure to be on again. Uh, good to see Ben on, um, and especially uh, one of our greatest ever professionals. 
I'm sure the supporters from that era would certainly back me up on that. And I'm looking forward to going through the games with him that were something else. And I'm willing to bet, well, I would say this to, to listeners who might be pottering about the house and not fully paying attention. When I start giving these statistics and talking through some of these games, just listen in, pin your ears back, because it's absolutely true, yet hard to believe, some of the performances that this man put in for our little cricket club. Can't wait to get on with it, Jess. Cheers. Thanks very much for that, Stan. Thank you. Um, yeah, this ex-professional, he made a massive impact, not only on the cricket club at Law House, but also on the league. He played seven tests for India, played 25 one-day international, and he's one-day international World Cup winner with India. He's currently a politician in, back in Delhi, and I'm sure Curtis will go into some details around that. But Curtis, thanks ever so much for coming on the show. Welcome to the Housecast. Thanks very much uh, to all of you. Thank you. You were a little kid when I, uh, when you were playing with us. Uh, Stan, obviously, the captain, I used to complete two runs and he would be completing his first. And then we have a good young captain now, Ben. So thank you very much for inviting me. And it's always a pleasure. I can never forget Lower House for a simple reason. And that was my first stint as a professional in England. Secondly, in my very first year in 1983, I, when I was playing for Lower House, I was picked for the Indian team to play the World Cup in 83. Subsequently, we won that. And at Manchester, I got Ian Botham in the semi-finals. And I remember when I came back, uh, all of you gave me uh, a great welcome. All of you lifting me on your shoulders, although we had defeated England in the semi-finals. But then, so what? What the hell? So what? I was your teammate. And it was a great pleasure, uh, really, to have played with everyone. And obviously, as the chat goes on, we'll have lots to discuss. I have lots of nostalgic memories of Lower House. And I'm really grateful to you, to the uh, entire club, for having me there for three years. It was. Kurt, it was an absolute pleasure. And looking back, and like you said, uh, I was a little kid. If, when we look at the stats, I, I think that I was about 10 or 11, but I was actually 20 when you first came over. Um, and looking at the history, which we will go into in some depth, around your seasons at the club and then actually going away from the first season to play in the Cricket World Cup. I am really looking forward to talking through that, of how that actually happened. Uh, on a bit of a, a serious note, note Curtis, how are you and your family coping in this difficult times over in India? Well, uh, I know it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a problem, pandemic for the entire world and all of us are locked down completely. It's been 60 days since the lockdown has been uh, on in India. And uh, you know me, and Stan knows me better because uh, we used to be together uh, pub crawling. I mean, he wouldn't come that much, but Andy Mack used to a lot. And uh, uh, then we had uh, John Omorod. Uh, he used to be also in that group. Uh, I'm, I feel like a caged animal somewhere in a zoo. And... Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those who's a workaholic now after getting into politics. I feel very strange because I have been involved with the public. I've been prize uh, member of parliament from the House of Commons, which is called the Lok Sabha in India. And hence, I feel uh, very sad sitting at home. So I'm on to my social media and uh, I keep on uh, helping whichever way I can to those poor people, the migrants who came as laborers from back home uh, in the east and east of India. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm just spending my time. Uh, my wife, my younger son, uh, well, he's with me. He was to go to Bangladesh for his business, but uh, the lockdown was announced and hence he couldn't leave uh, Delhi. So we are here and then I'm uh, reviving my uh, cooking skills as uh, I learned when I was in England yeah. uh, during my stint there as a professional. So uh, I'm uh, looking forward now again to, uh, I come to England every year, stay in London at Mayfair. But this time, whenever the opportunity comes, I'll come to the club, maybe on a Saturday or Sunday when you have a home game, have a few drinks. I remember Jerry Dawson at the, uh, at the bar. He was a big miser, that guy. I've heard that he's no more. May God rest his soul in peace. He had that uh, Rose Grove service station across the road from, uh, uh, from where the pavilion was. That's right, yeah. Opposite that. And um, next to the Rose Grove uh, school, uh, yes. if I'm not wrong, right? Where a lot of my sixes landed. Uh, <laughs> I do remember everyone. I remember Jack, uh, who used to stay within the club premises. I mean, his. Uh, Jack Hayes, who was the president at that time. Um, uh, may God uh, rest his soul in peace. I remember Stan and Jackie. I've heard he's no more with her. What a lovely girl she was. Please say hi if you at all speak to her. Uh, we used to go out for these uh, lovely drinks and then for curries uh, just outside the uh, bus station. I don't know whether that curry house is there or not. But we went a lot when you were Bobby's, uh, if you remember. Uh, uh, stand uh, to Paddyham for that uh, curry. Uh, there used to be a, a curry house in Paddyham somewhere, and also one at Manchester Road. I forget the name. Is it still there or not? Uh, that would be the Coin On. No, it isn't. It's That's the, the solicitors now. Bus station uh, has disappeared, but there are plenty of good curry houses in and around the area. But um, yeah, with some happy times there. I, I, Andy McNicholas was more of a party animal than I was, Curtis. So I think you probably spent more time uh, in nightclubs with, with Andy than you did with me. But we certainly... Uh, well, I haven't come to the nightclub yet. I'm only talking about the curry houses. <laughs> in city centres and having those doner kebabs, lamb doner kebabs. And, uh, and then there used to be one pub. I don't... Uh, broad Swords, I think. Is it still there? Broad it's no longer there. But uh, yeah, I remember it well. Very yeah, he used to. Uh, it used to. The pubs used to shut at about eleven, and we used to sit there till one o'clock and have drinks. And the guy, his name was Phil. I don't remember. He and his wife, they were great hosts, and you would be drinking there till one, one thirty at night, and then yeah. go to Annabelle's. Yeah, yeah, happy times. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Some some great times. I uh, so many people I remember. I remember Clifford. Oh, he used to love his curries, and he would uh, invite himself home and say, "Curry." Whenever you're making curry, I'd like to come home and have some. And then uh, he would put his teeth in and then have it and then again take it out, wash it and keep it in his pocket. Well, uh, that was it. <laughs> then we had uh, Dave Riley, I remember. Uh, then the players, I do remember all. Uh, Phil Austin, I've heard he's no more. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And uh, then uh, we had Brian Higgins, Higgy, the backstopper, the wicketkeeper. Uh, then yeah. Andy Mack, Roger Bromley, uh, like Alan Holden, who would spit at yeah. the ball all the time. And, you know, as we go on the show, I, I would remember them. Then John Oberod, I remember very well. Pankaj, uh, can you remember Pankaj? Oh, Tripathi, Chapati, he taught me how to make curry. Yes, definitely, any day. <laughs> any day, any day. 
uh, that guy. He was uh, quite a maverick, wasn't he? Yes, and yes, he was. Tom Sullivan would have been playing in those days. I think that uh, Graham Bushell might still have been at Burnley thinking. Yes, Bushell was there. Bushell was there. Chris Lazard was there. Uh, Chris Lazard was there. Brian Holmes uh, was another. David Brian Keith. Holmes, yes, and Rusty, Rusty. Rusty Fairclough, Keith, Keith, the treasurer, my okay. right hand down on the facilities side at the club. Great lad. Uh, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get. Uh, I think we'll get Rusty on at some stage when we can teach him how to use a, a computer mm -hmm. or a telephone. Who was the captain in '83, Stan? Was it you? Were you the captain that year? Yeah. No, he was captain, captain for all three years. 83, 84. No, Alan Holden was the captain. Alan was the captain. 85. I captained the 85. Uh, yeah. But Alan was captain the first, first two glorious years. Curti, uh, you mentioned there before the, the World Cup. I think people will be staggered when I tell them this, and I wondered if you remembered. You played in the, in the Cup final on something like, off the top of my head, June 25th. On June 26th, the day after, you proed for us at Burnley. The day after you've won the World Cup, you played for Law House Cricket Club. Incredible. Correct. I came back. Uh, somebody came and picked me up and I said, kindly pick me up. And we came back and played the game at home. We were playing at home that game. Yeah, it was. It was at home, was that, Curtis? You know, you can't resist it. Um, Curtis, we're going to go into the, um, you know, into your seasons and while when you were at the cricket club. But a lot of the expert, the spectators and the listeners to this, do like to know a little bit about the guests and about our ex-professionals. Can you just tell us how you got into? first-class cricket and and what your memories are of your um you know your, your your passage into becoming a professional as a young lad i used to go with my elder brother he was captain for his school as far as cricket is concerned and then uh, when he came to college and to delhi i used to carry along my plastic bat with him and go to the national stadium and slowly i got interested in playing cricket and at the age of 12 i played the a division league in delhi and uh, my coach was very happy with me. He came to my father and said that uh, I would like to change his school to modern public school where there are proper coaching facilities and the school that he's in at the moment, there is no cricket. So my school was changed and I came to modern public school and there was a lot of cricket and a lot of, uh, they used to promote good sportsmen. It didn't have to be, if you were not good in studies, that didn't mean you couldn't play into sports. But it was, I wasn't a bad student either. But then they encouraged me and then uh, obviously I started playing for Delhi schools at the age of 12. And uh, then I played for North Zone schools, that's the All India Tournament, and uh, went around the country at the age of 12. And uh, then at the age of uh, 16, I got into the county side, that's the Raji Trophy side. And I played my first game uh, at the age of 17 against the visiting MCC side when Tony Gregg had uh, led the uh, English team into India in 1976. And that is when, when I went to college. I went to St. Stephen's College. And uh, uh, I did history honors, graduated from there. I had an opportunity uh, 
to go on a Rhodes scholarship either to, to Cambridge or Oxford, but uh, I denied that because I wanted to play. And uh, had I gone to either of these universities, I wouldn't have had the opportunity really to play in domestic cricket in India and then try and uh, play for the country. 80-81, I got selected uh, in the Indian team uh, to tour uh, New Zealand, uh, Australia and New Zealand, 80-81. Uh, I got a hundred uh, that year in the finals of the Ranji Trophy against Mumbai, which was almost an India side. And got into the Indian team and went and played in Sharjah, other places. Played the One Days, played the West Indies, played the uh, visiting Pakistani side in India. And uh, in '83, it just happened that uh, somebody contacted me uh, from England, saying that if I was interested in playing um, league cricket. And that would be for four and a half months. Uh, during the time in India, we used to play summer cricket starting at seven o'clock in the morning. It gets uh, to about 45, 46, 47 degrees like today uh, during this time. And this is the time when we used to play our uh, summer cricket starting at uh, 6.37 in the morning, finished by 12.31. Used to, used to be a 40-over game. But then I said, well, let's give it a try. And then I... Uh, Came to Lower House, that was the first time. I was a pampered child at home. We had so many people to work. I never had to cook, never had to wash my clothes or clean my house or change the bedding or whatever. And uh, who were the house and vacuum clean it. But then I learned all that in England and because I stayed there for a half months. Uh, the worst was when I would go to a restaurant and eat, it used to cost me approximately 25 to 30 quid. And I would convert that into Indian currency and said, my God, that would be uh, a month's uh, pocket money for me. But then slowly and surely, uh, Pankaj taught me how to do, uh, how to cook. And then obviously there was a lot of help and friends who helped me, uh, uh, taught me how to do these house chores and go to these laundries and wash your clothes and do so, so many things. So in a way, that was a, a big learning curve. Very good cricket. Lovely guys. And uh, I never knew because the standard of cricket when I played A-division cricket in Delhi was a little higher than what I saw there. And then obviously in the beginning, I used to get really irritated when I would find somebody uh, dropping a catch or doing a misfield or playing a bad shot, getting out or bowling bad. But then slowly and surely I realized that, yes, they are amateurs and I have to be with them. And obviously I have to be behind them and look after them and fight with them because I myself was First time playing as a professional, because at that time we were playing as amateurs, even if you we were playing for India uh, in our country, we didn't have professionalism at that time. But then all those top class cricketers were fit and they knew what their jobs were. But then slowly and surely I learned, I loved it and I still visit. I'm practicing really hard. I'm about three kilos more than what my actual uh, weight was uh, when I played international cricket. So maybe, who knows, I, might, may, I may come, Ben, give me an opportunity to play as an amateur, a couple of games for you. Um, that's fantastic, that, Curtis. That's a really good insight as to how you've got where you've got to. Because I was never aware of how you came to, to, to come to Law House. Um, we'll come on to Stan in a minute, because he will have great, great memories of that. Ben, is there anything there that, that you recognise about getting a pro now or...? Uh, well, I've got, a, I've got a question for Curti, and I just wondered what his first thoughts were when he stepped onto the field to represent Lawrence, actually, when he arrived in England. So on the 17th of April in 1983, Curti, the first game was Hasland and away. I just wondered what your thoughts were as you uh, warmed up and started playing at Bent Gate. 
and I believe we were four for 44 in no time with you and Stan, Keith and Phil Astin back in the hut watching. I don't know if you can recollect that or remember that. No, but I do uh, remember scoring uh, Hurricane 153 against Haslingdon. That was 1984, Curtie, when you got the, uh, the 154, which uh, I will come to. That, that first game, Ben, uh, we were beaten by nine wickets. It was a pretty ignominious day. And Don Ormrod, uh, God rest his soul, who was a, a marvellous cricketer, amateur cricketer, oh, yeah. professional in the leagues, professional cricketer, very good administrator, good coach, good manager. But he went absolutely off on one because we lost by nine wickets in the opening game of the season. And I, I remember us having something of a shouting match uh, in the committee room because uh, I objected to him going off the handle first game. I did take umbrage at that to, to some tune. If you remember, that I've looked at that game, Ben, and um, Hartley Elaine was Haslingdon's pro that day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he was rapid, Ben. He was, was he? West Indian. Yeah, he was, I mean, I wasn't playing that game. But I don't know if you can remember that, Curtis. Can you remember playing against Hartley Elaine? I don't, because that was my first game. And um, to be very honest with you, I... I don't remember. I remember the games, the, the, the Derby games that we had against Burnley. Yeah. Getting a 70-odd and a 90, or I don't know whether I got a 100 or not. No. Hartley Allen, I played him on many occasions. Yeah. But I don't remember that particular game. No. I don't, to be very honest with you. No. Jez, I haven't particularly looked at 19, 1983. No. Um, but I've had a real look at 84. And Curtis mentioned the game, and it's a very interesting one. Uh, we played at Haslingdon and Curti got 154 in a 32 over game out of our 234. And uh, the next highest scorer was Blaise on 20 not out, batting at number eight. He was only young, of course. And um, back in the day, if you were doing well in a particular position, you tended to stay in it rather than move up the batting order. And he batted at number seven, number eight most of the season. But I remember batting with Kurt here and, uh, and the plan was that we would take Hartley Elaine where possible and Curtie would take the amateurs. And uh, I think Kurt, uh, Hartley finished up with four for 44 that day and the amateurs um, did their best to, to keep him out. And Curtie, really, I'm not saying he never faced Hartley Elaine. Of course he did. I remember him hitting Hartley Elaine for several fours. But Curtie got 154 out of 234, which if you translate that into today's terms, off a 32-over game, it's a mammoth score. And it's a mammoth score in the days where the wickets were nothing like they are today. Today's wickets, Curtie, in the league are hard, Surrey long. We've got, every club has covers. So you're playing on a different surface. It's not the it's not as firm as a county surface, obviously, but it's much firmer. Better than better than what we had in the early yeah, eighties, for yeah. sure. And and at the time, it was could sometimes be something of a lottery. Quite a few fixtures would be 129 beats 80, um, or or in one case, 70 beats 50. That wasn't uncommon. Um, and scores of 154 for an individual were more or less unheard of. 
234 would probably be about 290 now. And, and the crazy thing is, we lost with five overs to go. And I was the captain that day, and it was probably the lowest point I've ever had in my career, in my brief spell as captain, because I delayed changing the bowling probably too long, although the bowlers, the opening bowlers had only bowled four overs, but they were going into the abattoir, they were going into the housing estate. You bowled quite tight, Curtis, that day, compared to the rest of them. But it was an it was an absolutely incredible innings from yourself, and, and one of many. Some of the hitting was was, and I, and I really encourage people to pin their ears back. Some of the hitting, Ben, was absolutely unbelievable. Right, let me just get straight in there, Curtie. While I've got you and Stan together, so in 1983, you played in the World Cup final under the captaincy of Cathal Dev. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and during your law race career, uh, you played under the captaincy of Stan Eaton as well. Stan Eaton and Alan Holden. Alan Holden first, and then. Stan. Well, let's just let's just let's just talk about Stan because he's here. So I just wondered how that differed, playing in a World Cup final under Cathal Dev, and then playing under Stan Eaton at Law Ice Cricket Club. Oh, <laughs> you can't compare the two. It was more difficult playing here than, than, playing, than playing in the World Cup against international sides. Because at least he knew who was coming from where and what he was going to do to you. But when you were playing amateur cricket here, you, you had, uh, I felt that uh, Roger Bromley was a, a fantastic swing bowler. He used to bowl brilliant out -singing. But, you know, the kind of heart he should have. I used to always pump him. Come on, Roger, you are really good. You have to work hard on it. You have to do it. And he would be really brilliant in spells. And then he would completely go off, you know. So, you know, I thought that he had good, good really to, to get on to, to, to the staff, the kind of bowler that he was. He was young. He was good. He bowled. He had a natural action with a very good outswing. But unfortunately, he didn't do that. Andy Mack, another guy, um, Andy McNicholas, uh, he was quick, he was wayward, but he had a big heart. And uh, he, 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 would, he would really want to go and hit the pass and take the wicket. If that heart of Andy's was with Roger, I'm sure Roger would have done really well. Or if Roger's talent was with Andy, he would have been a different guy altogether. So it was, it, it was difficult really to be handling amateurs and then you have a Bobby as a captain, then you know, you know, he's trying to always be there with his bait and standing there and being very stubborn <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I would say, Stan, take it easy. We need to, you know, some place we need to adjust and listen to me and do this or that or whatever. So Stan would ultimately listen to me. He would murmur a few obviously explicit <laughs> within his breath and then would, would accept it. But then... Um, it was, it was great fun because I thought it was also a learning curve for me when you played with these amateurs. And especially uncovered wickets and it was a piece of land rolled. You would never see the kind of turf that, is, that you would see uh, on, on these first class matches or on these county grounds. It wasn't there. But then it was tough life and it revolved around you as a professional because they expected you to do well. And if you didn't do well in a game and somebody, some other professional did, uh, uh, these club guys used to come to me, Clifford would come to me and say, Carter, eh? you saw that how he applied today? Put it into you, you know, all the time, fingering you. So, you know, that used to always pep you up to do well. 
um, I used to feel bad at that time, but uh, on hindsight, oh, it was it, it was a great uh, thing that pepped you up. And I said, fair enough. Fucking hell, fire! I'll show it to you. I'm sorry, don't don't let it go. <laughs> but then, <laughs> whenever he had curry at my place, he would say that fucking hell, fire. <laughs> That's a good. Uh, that's a, a a very good description, Kirsty, of you know a very short paragraph around your career. That I do remember that vividly. Uh, your frustration sometimes at um, you know maybe the the amateur at the amateur cricketers and and maybe the umpire or the state of the pitchers. What, what's your recollection, recollection, Stan? Is that quite accurate from Kirsty? Yeah, I think it is definitely. I, I mean, we've got to remember that Curti uh, had come to a, a new country and back home, of course, he was nearly royalty. And here he lands in, uh, in, in Lower House. And if in Curti's case, you're at one end scoring anywhere between 40 and 140 and taking anywhere between three and seven wickets and you're being let down by the amateurs, it was totally understandable. That said, the first season we finished the under Curti, we finished fourth. Curti had 757 runs at 44.4 and 37 wickets at 16.9. And he did miss quite a few games through, through the, uh, the, the, the uh, international situation with India. In, in the second season, we finished uh, fifth. He broke the batting record with 1,069 runs at 56.3 and 72 wickets at 16.7. Now those statistics, nine on 1100 runs and 75 wickets are almost in the super probe, super probe bracket, yet we only finish fifth. So it does beg the question, what were the amateurs doing? Uh, and and in, in, in many cases, uh, they weren't supporting Curti. And I mention all that because on occasions he did, of course, get frustrated, but it's perfectly understandable. Perfectly understandable. Off the field, things were discussed. No falling out. We had a beer after we had a discussion. We had a beer and we, and we moved on. But I don't want that to make it sound as though Curti was some raving and ranting all the time. Of course he wasn't. But there were occasions where we severely let him down and he let us know. And rightly so. That happens now, Ben. Absolutely. And I would say this. The attitude of today's players, Ben, is considerably different from the attitude of the majority of players in my day. Jez was an exception. Many of the players played purely for recreational fun. So you transpose a top-class professional into a team of recreational cricketers playing for fun, and we had to change. We had to change. Nowadays, you've got lads playing recreational cricket who get their fun out of playing well, out of succeeding. And, and if, if that side had have had today's mentality... As I say, some exceptions. If that side had had, to, if our side had had today's mentality, we would have been unstoppable. But I suppose other clubs would say the same thing because amateurs were like that in those days. 
were the, were were all other sides like that back then, Stan? Do you think, or there was, just a select few? There were some exceptional sides at the time: Burnley, East Lancs, Rottenstall. There were always teams that would be great one year, not so not so great the year after. And, and we probably in a in a different season may well have been higher than um, fourth or fifth, but for the quality of the other sides. And Haslingdon's another one. There were some some exceptionally good teams, 1-11. to 11. If you look at the modern-day success of Law House Cricket Club, we have had players batting number 11 who have had Lancashire League 50s. Joe Martin is our 9-10-11 with a Lancashire League ton under his belt. Well, back in the day, and, and, and this is a little bit of a defence of myself, when you hear what Gary's had to say and Paul Stansfield about slow batting, one, two, three in the pro were the batsmen. Five, six and seven might throw you a quick 20 in and eight, nine, 10, 11 couldn't bat. So if one, two, three in the pro didn't give us a solid foundation, we would be castled. Now that doesn't happen now, Ben. No, 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 absolutely. The entire 11 combat of all scored Lancashire League 50s even now I think and the bowling of course is entirely different because you're limited to the number of overs you can bowl now back in the day you could bowl 25 from one end or I think we might have even played 34 40, over games 34 eight, over eight, games in those yeah. days eight, eight, ball, so, overs. eight ball overs um, so it, it was a different it was a different world but Stan, Stan, I would, I would butt in here. I would butt in here. Yeah, sure. Had we tasted blood, had the team tasted blood, the way these guys have won the league three or four times, they know what winning means, what pride means. Had we been anywhere near there or tasted blood by winning the tournament, I'm sure the attitude would have been absolutely different. Do you agree with me? You're absolutely spot on, Curti. One of the things, one of the differences I would suggest, venture to suggest as well is that all of our, all of the current first eleven, who are products of our own, our own juniors, which is, I think, a large percentage of them, nine out of the twelve maybe, and and Finchie's been with us probably fifteen years, maybe more. They're used to winning. Because as juniors, they very, very rarely, and Ben's been through this, although Ben was at the sort of front end, but people like Paddy and Joe Martin, Johnny Whitehead, Matt Walker, the Baileys, uh, obviously three, three of them are no longer with us, never saw defeat as a junior. And winning is a good habit. So these kids who came into the third 11 when they were 14, 15, all of those that I've mentioned, and possibly yourself, Ben, on their debut in the third eleven, started off with a maiden fifty. Wow! You know, so so they used to being able to 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 succeed, and I don't think that that can be ignored when you look at the success that we've had, because they know how to win. And back in the day, we'd been runners up in eighty two. We'd been in the cup final in nineteen eighty. But we didn't know how to win. And there's a certain mentality to that, Gertie, as you say. And I think that's, that's a huge difference. 
Kirsty, I'm looking at the whole league's averages, and you know, particularly you topped it, uh, beating uh, Madden Lau by 61 runs. What's your recollection of that season? How did how did you feel that season went for you personally first, and then also for the club? I think 84 was uh, a very successful season for me, and uh, uh, because. Uh, I got the record, the batting record. Then I picked up over 70-odd wickets, I think. I had, uh, I, if I'm correct, more than five wickets seven times, uh, something like that. And, uh, uh, and by that time, in my second year, I had understood, after having played the first year, because obviously I had to miss out in between, then I came back again, there was a break. But then whatever little I had learned, I knew when I came in 84 that I, there is a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And I'll have to take the team and I can't get frustrated and I can't you know, really uh, uh, go there as a professional and speak to them. I think I may tell them where they are wrong, but then I have to really take them along with me. And hence you will find that a lot of other players also side by side have done well uh, in 84, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so it was, it was uh, first year, 83 was something where I would get frustrated and expect a lot of things from them. In 84, I knew the limitations and I had to bring out the best playing alongside these chaps who were either batting with me or bowling at the other end and uh, play with them, play around with them, take the responsibility, work hard on to, uh, 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 for, for the games. And uh, then I realized that everybody loved that hat money that used to come in when I used to get a 50. So I used to get my 50 normally the way I play. And then from 50 to 100, when they were collecting money, I used to go and start hitting sixes and fours so people would get excited and, you know, put in more. And whenever there was more than 100 quid uh, in that hat, the guys would say, not one round, but two. I would say, fair enough, guys, take two rounds, no problems at all. And that is how it used to go. You know? My best year uh, that I have played uh, uh, my professional cricket in England, because I played in Sunderland. And in Sunderland, the very first year, I broke the club record. Uh, that was, I think, 1,300-some-odd runs uh, scored by somebody. I was playing for Sunderland Cricket Club. That was the Sunderland Football Club. And I straight away broke that. But then, those professionals, the wickets was better. Uh, they were a little more professional in their attitude. And 84, because as a professional, I had to take the team along with me. That also taught me when I captained my Ranji Trophy side in Delhi even though they were all uh, playing first-class cricket. But then that responsibility that I learned in 84 was also very good for me. It was a learning curve for me, not only in cricket, but also in life, how to handle family, how to handle friends, how to handle other things, and not be really wild. So I was wild, uh, but to a lesser extent after 84. The, the art of winning, it's once you've got that, that mentality of winning, and it, it, it's, it's quite easy then to keep that going. But until you get it, it it's difficult to stand up. You know, I know you agree with that. Have you any other comments around that season and what Curtis just mentioned? He's, he scored 100, 101 uh, against Tom Bidip. 
a feature of those two seasons in particular were me going into Lawhouse Junior School on the Monday morning and getting the balls back from the caretaker who I knew. Uh, and we're talking here, it not only hitting the ball out of the ground, across the park, over Liverpool Road, into Lawhouse Schoolyard. They were absolutely phenomenal hits. I was at the crease with Curtie that season when he took 22 off one over against Nelson. Also that season, Collis King was in the lead. So you can imagine Collis King, of course, was a phenomenal hitter and a West Indian test cricketer. You can imagine the excitement in the lead. And if you compare it to today, and that's no disrespect to any of today's professionals, but these were test cricketers. So you can imagine the, the excitement in the league when Lower House played Cone, battle of the big hitters. Now moving on to 84. Yeah. Talked about the 154. But Curti went, went, went through a patch of Enfield away, 70 and 6 for 39. Church away, 5 for 56. Burnley, uh, 104. Now, that day against Burnley, if I can just concentrate on that, not just because Higgy and myself put 94 on uh, for the opening wicket. Higgy got 53. Curti got 104, mostly against Madassa, a Pakistan test, international test cricketer and bowler. And Curti's second 50 came in five overs. And, and bear in mind, this is, what, 35 years ago can still remember one particular shot and it was it was the ball was asking for a cut shot and Curtie pulled it and it never went any lower or higher than the point that it left his bat sent spectators diving for cover and crashed into the back of a form in front of the park uh, absolutely incredible shot as I say Never, never went any higher than four feet off the ground for six from a flat bat. Absolutely unbelievable. He, Rod Estwick, a West Indian test bowler, repeatedly into, into Lower House Junior School. Corn again in 1984. 34 wickets and 43 not out. is 29. The late great Phil Austin caught Collis out on the boundary edge and he, he trapped it in his testicles. Uh, as he fumbled the ball as he fell to the floor. <laughs> Great days. Just, just mention another one, if I may. We played Enfield away from home. We were 25 for two, and Madden Lal, Indian Test colleague of Curtis, very good bowler. Madden Lal and Peter Holt, who was a very tasty amateur bowler, were bowling. And it was a wet wicket, as they all were, it seemingly in those days. And the ball spitting, taking lumps. Somehow we've got to 25 for two. I'm still at the crease. Curtie comes out to bat at number four. I've been thinking this is that bad. Maybe they'll drop him down the order just, just to save him until the pitch improves. In those days, the pitch would improve as the game went on. So Curtie comes out to bat. I said to him, Curtie, because he did like to play shots. I said, take it free. This is a minefield. Be careful. Be careful. No problem, Stan. No problem. <laughs> he then smashed Peter Holt to all ends of the, ends of the pitch 
and got about 25 off the over after I'd told him to be careful. He finished up, I got 35, Curtie got 129, we were 190 all out, and the ninth wicket with Curtie and Roger Bromley was a 49 stand and Roger was none not out. So Curtie got all 49 runs in the ninth. And believe it or not, he took six for 86 and we only won by one run. Because as it did in those days, the wicket dried out, rolled out nicely and played well. But it's just phenomenal cricket. You scored your thousandth run that season, Curtie, in the last game of the season at church. You got 85 and you took your hundredth wicket in Lancashire League cricket. Bear in mind that's in a season and three quarters with a seven for 67 in the same game. I'll just tell one more story. Yeah, no, carry on, Stan. Please do. Although we've talked about the frustrations, but Curtie did like a laugh. It was certainly no misery. Liked to laugh. And we played at Accrington, and I'm fielding at third man as usual. And Curtie's at second slip. It's a slow track, so we didn't have a first slip. Curtie's at second slip. So I'm sort of looking over Curtie's shoulder from a distance. Bob Ormrod's the bowler. It's the first ball of the game, and Nick Marsh is batting. Bob Ormrod bowls the worst ball I've ever seen. It bounced halfway down the track and sat up on this soft wicket and virtually said, you can put me anywhere in the universe. It was that bad. I saw Curtie put his hands in his pockets, obviously expecting the ball to be dispatched somewhere in Europe, and he was keeping his hands warm. And Nick Marsh, who was no, no hitter, took a great big swipe at the ball and edged it to Curtie. He wanted to take his hands out of the pockets to catch the ball. And I'll never forget it. He caught the ball, he turned around to me and just laughed his head off. It was the worst piece of, of batting and bowling you've ever seen. And, and Curtie has to take his hands out of his pockets to catch the ball. Honestly. I remember when I used to bowl my quickish off spin, Brian, he used to go back. And, you know, I would say I'm a spinner, I'm bowling quickish off spin. And, you know, why the hell are you going so back? I don't go back so far for my holidays. And I don't expect you to go there. And uh, <laughs> so he, he would miss a lot. My anger would get onto him. And I used to feel really sorry when I would see, say, 15 extras or 10 extras or 11 extras because you score those, those runs. You know, you earn those runs and you expect the keeper to do it, do really well. But then Higgy tried his level best. Uh, he was a good trier, though. And, uh, and he was very brave, Curtie, because your quicker ball was as fast as any quick bowler could bowl. And, and he could never spot it and quite often stopped it with his stomach or his chest. <laughs> a big slap. That's how oh. I nicknamed him Backstopper. But he, he, was incredibly, he was incredibly brave. But you, were, you did ball, you, you fast ball, Kurt. You like, and you pitched it in short. It was a, it was a snorter. No helmets. Yes, we had. We, they'd, they'd probably been in a couple of years. I think we had one to share at for the whole team. I think that was... Uh, that was the gist of it, because I think they first came in when Michael Holding was pro in 81. Yeah, they did. I think that was 80, that might have been 83, you know, 83, 4, something like that. No, it was 81, Stan. Um, I, I don't 81. think so. Michael was there with us in 83, 84. Oh, no, he wasn't. Right, 81. I came in then in, in 81. That was the first season I wore one. I remember a beautiful uh, uh, press clipping, you know, he was talking about college, so I didn't disturb him in between. I didn't interrupt, uh, was when I hit those sixes, the Lancashire Post, was it that's the newspaper? 
and the side callers the new king of lancashire lancashire league has arrived and i remember that i have that cutting somewhere i lost it in a big fire uh, the the beautiful ball that i was given by low house for my record breaking i lost everything in that fire all everything gone because that season you hit 76 sixes um oh my god you mentioned the six aside at tottenham against rottenstall you got a ton um i don't think it was a 10 over game because you were hitting sixes right, left and centre. You, you were hitting them into Centreville Park, Halifax Road, Burnley Road, over the school, into the forest. And I remember Glenn Ball, the Rottenstall player, saying, well, at least I can say I was here when it happened. And we, we won the competition. You got 101. We got 109. And Andy McNicholas was five not out. <laughs> and the greatest, thing, the greatest thing about it, because it was a, a, a day of fun, between every game, you were, you were downing two or three Bacardi and Cokes. That's so right. So when you went into that final, you had probably half a dozen Bacardi and Cokes under your belt. But it was, again, it was a glorious day, big crowd, and my, did they get entertained. Was that your second year with us, Curtis? Was that 84, that six aside? Yeah, that was second year, yeah. yeah, yeah. I told you, that's a year when I learned myself a lot, you know, how to be along with the, the amateurs, how to help them out. And it was my second year, my best season, the most enjoyable one for me, because I picked up wickets, scored runs, and uh, when I hit sixes, I got that uh, in Lancashire Post, standard side college, the new king of Lancashire League has arrived. I managed to have a lot of supporters coming in. Uh, there were these big, big, big lads. Stan, do you remember those big fat bloody lads that used to drink 10 or 15 pints and curty, curty, they would go all the time from near the pavilion outside? Yes. you remember yeah. that, Stan? Top step lads, yeah. Do they the still job. come or, or anything of the sorts? Any news about them? No, uh, I have seen one of them since. Um, strangely enough, as we got better, those lads disappeared. I've often thought that they possibly came to watch us in the bad old days, obviously before you arrived, Curti, before we finished runners-up in 82. Possibly came to watch us for the fun aspect of it. Came to sort of take the mickey, really. But uh, as we got better, they sort of faded away. Yeah, but then I remember they appreciating me all the time and going, Curti, Curti, yeah. and uh, really enjoying it. They used to contribute a lot to the hat party. <laughs> uh, as far as I remember, then he would come into the club and get me free beers after we would win. And I score good runs and hit lovely sixes. I remember those good supporters. I remember Anne, uh, the, the, the lady who used to give us uh, tea. She's still a very good member. She tends the gardens on the cricket club. She's our official club historian. I feel really bad, you know, uh, uh, because it, it, it had become a family for me in the lower house. I felt uh, so nice. I mean, sitting at the club and didn't know how to play pool and everybody would come around and teach me how to play pool. But then uh, my interest used to be more at the bar than to be at the pool. And then I was divided between two lovers. But obviously, bar was my first love after the game. And then going pub, crawling all over town and then into uh, these discotheques, nightclubs. I love my beer. I love my crawl. I love my cricket. I love Lower House. And I loved everyone. How old were you when you were playing? Uh, 84, I was 25. 25. So did you have, uh, you know, a partner or family or children at that time? No, no, no. I was a stag and I was enjoying myself, my fornicating around. How was it being away from home for that amount of time? How did you find it? Did you find it difficult at all? You talked about learning about yourself. Ben, by that time, I had got used to it because I used to be traveling with the team. I used to be out six to seven months a year. Uh, yeah. First class yeah. cricket or 
for India, touring somewhere for a month and a half or two months, or domestically you are traveling around the country playing those Ranji Trophy matches, and that all happened from school times. And then once you started playing Ranji Trophy, you would be three and a half, four months away. When you started playing cricket, you would be five to six months away, seven months away at times. My first trip to Australia, New Zealand, was four and a half months tour. That was a uh, felt really homesick. But then you slowly and surely. Uh, get used to it when you start playing like that. And so I was a single man uh, till the 30th of April 1986, and after that I was a tamed animal. <laughs> <laughs> until lockdown. Until lockdown. Until lockdown. And it was lockdown for me from the 30th of April 1986. Yeah. Uh, I love my drink still. I love my cooking. I love my drink and. Uh, I've got two dogs. They're very old now, almost at the fag end of their lives. I have a little kitchen garden at the house. It's a little farmhouse here. I sit with the gardener and try and bring out like bitter gold is coming out, ladyfinger, some tomatoes. So uh, I spent some time like that. I'm working really hard. I want to play A division cricket in Delhi. Uh, my coach said that you should come and play with these youngsters, 17, 18, 19 guys. They are A division cricket. See, I, I said I'll open because you don't have to move your feet much. You don't need footwork. So you can play on the rise. So with mid on, mid off, up, you can obviously hit over them and score 30, 25 runs. And then just guy play with the guys. So when I'm there, I think when I'm going to be in England, I'm there every year. One thing I'm going to do is uh, stand. What I'll do is I'll come for a home game. At times you have Saturday, Sunday both as home games, or you have a Saturday game or a Sunday game. Yes, please do. Yeah, if, please. If we have that, I'll come there. If we have a good hotel there, I'll just stay there. If you could get up here, say Friday lunchtime, you can take in a T20. On a T20, on a nice night, we'll have 700 to 1,000 people on. It's quite an event, and you can take in the Saturday game, the, the Sunday game, and, and make a weekend out of it. I come there on a Thursday afternoon. If possible, meet with the young guys, the, the youngsters of the club, be with them for an hour, hour and a half, around three or four, or whatever time you fix, because obviously the days are very long. Be with them for a little while, talk to them, tell them a few basics, or talk to even the first team or whichever, uh, whosoever guys are there. And then after that, uh, all, if you can collect all the guys, you know, who played around, uh, played along with me uh, in 83, 84, 85, if all of us can be together, have a drink and go out for a curry, that would be obviously from my side. And uh, that's it. Friday, we watch the game. Saturday, and then maybe uh, that's it. I'll, I'll make a move on Sunday. Yep. Super. Yeah, that would be brilliant. We can do that. But then you'll have to do one thing for me in exchange, if possible. I have lost everything that I had from Lower House. I don't know if there's somebody, a collector, who collects, uh, who has those cuttings or photographs or anything of the sort. If we can just spread it in the club and see if I could get a copy of that. Can it be possible? Well, we've mentioned Anne Cochrane. I will ask Anne Cochrane if she will get down to Burnley Library and get them out, uh, and get them out from you off the old Burnley Express microfiche. Superb. If, 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 if that can be managed, nothing like it. Some photographs. I, I, I'll pay for that. I mean, I have no hassles on it. If, if there are photographs and if I could get an actual photograph or whatever uh, with the team when I came after the World Cup victory, scored that 100 against Todd. And uh, you guys had lifted me, and there was a huge photograph at the Lancashire Post or Burnley, I don't know, Express, which newspaper. Uh, I, I would want that because I, that nostalgia, that, uh, that, that uh, beautiful feeling of being there, because uh, the first impression is the last one, and that was my first uh, 
appearance in England as a professional. Leave that with me. We'll get that sorted if we possibly can. No problem. Is there anything, Ben, you want to bring up now? Um, yeah, just I'd like to to just touch on the, on the World Cup final a little, little bit more. You know, we didn't really go into too much depth about the final itself um, and, and his memories of that, I think. Well, I was playing at the club and I got this call. The residence that they had found for me was in Cone in my first year in 1983. And I got a call early morning, uh, Kapil telling me that I was selected for the Indian team for the World Cup. And so I said, Kapil, thanks very much, Skipper. Uh, uh, one and a half months paid holiday we've got because uh, we never expected, you know, the odds were 1 to 99 for the Indian team. We were worse, even lower than Zimbabwe. And there were only eight teams competing at that time. Uh, I called up Jimmy. He was, he was in Lancaster. His wife was a doctor there. So I got together with him. The very first game was at, uh, at Manchester, Old Trafford. And we beat the West Indies. Very fast game. Uh, we, and West Indies, that side was, I think, the best of our one-day side. I think nobody you can compare because there were five fast bowlers, one after the other. Top batsmen like Richards, uh, Vivian Richards, with Desmond Haynes and Gordon Greenidge opening the attack. Vivian Richards coming after that, then you had a Lamp, uh, then you had a Clive Lloyd, then you had a Larry Gomes, then you had a Ford Backus, and then these fast, fast, four fast bowlers in the side. So it was a grand, um, fantastic team. So we beat them in the first game. We beat Australia, and then we lost to them. Then against Zimbabwe, we were 17 for five at Tunbridge Wales. When Kapil came with that brilliant 175 not out, which is not recorded because BBC was on strike that day. So we needed to beat Australia uh, the next game, which we did. And we got into the finals, into the semifinals. Then we came to Old Trafford again to play the semifinals. And I remember Graham Fowler and Chris Tavrick. They were going really great guns at that time. Roger Binney got the first wicket. They were about 96 for one or two. And uh, in about 13 or 14 overs, which used to be a good average uh, in those days, if you were scoring four, four and a half, which was supposed to be really good. And that is what uh, England was doing, a little better than that. Then Jimmy and I came on to bowl. Jimmy Amanath, who was a pro at Lower House before me, uh, much before me. So uh, Jimmy bowled 12 overs from one end. I bowled 12 overs from one end, nonstop, 24 overs, gave away 55 runs and took four wickets a month. I got Alan Lamb run out, got the wicket of both of them. It kept really low. Had it kept lower, it would have gone underground. That was it. And uh, we really put the brakes on the scoring of the uh, English team. We won that game by six wickets and then got into the finals. Now, we go into the finals. 1983, these four fast bowlers bowl over 95. The four fast bowlers who bowl over 95 miles per hour. You have Randy Roberts, Michael Holding, Joel Garner, and Malcolm Marshall. And Colin Croft, people like Colin Croft sitting out would have played in any other site in the world. An absolutely green track. Absolute green and slightly damp. Kapil lost the toss. He was fuming because we thought it's a one-day game and a one-day game should be more batting-friendly where you give an opportunity for batsmen to score runs. And we were dismissed for 183. And here we're sitting in the dressing room. None of us had ever thought that we'll win the World Cup. It was Kapil Day from the very beginning. A, a, a great fighter. A superb all-rounder. He always was a fighter. He would always take the fight into the enemy's camp. We came there. We went into the long room for our lunch. Came back. We were changing into our, our fielding boots. And Kapil says, it might not be a winning total, but it's a fighting total. So lads, come on, let's fight. And there it was. You had uh, Gordon Greenwich 
doing uh, well left and getting bowled by Balwinder Sandhu, that brilliant catch by Kapil Dev, running backwards, taking Viv uh, uh, Richards, Clyde Lloyd, everybody that they felt like nine pins. You know, there is a movie coming, 1983. It was to be released on the 11th of August, but uh, couldn't get released. One of the top actors and actress, uh, they are uh, doing the role of Kapil and his wife, and all of us have a role to play in there of how the journey took place. So you'll get a lot of resemblance of what I'm saying today in that movie when you watch it. You'll get it dubbed in English and bring it for you guys. So <laughs> that was it. And we won the World Cup. Never thought of it. Went back, pinched ourselves all evening. And once we came to the uh, hotel, we had these Sikhs. And yeah. They were there with the Bhangra. Bhangra is a type of a dance with dhol. They were outside. The bar was full. The bar was absolutely chock-a-block. We had no place to go. As soon as we went in, there was a magnum bottle of champagne. It was sprayed on all of us. We were being given drinks, left, right, and center. We were having it. And so I just, uh, I don't remember who, spoke to somebody sitting next to me, uh, one of my uh, colleagues in the team. And I said, listen, those days we never used to get money. We used to get about 15 pounds a day. And I said, guys, uh, we are getting these drinks now. When, who will pay for it? Because we don't have the kind of money. So anyways, by that time, we had a few and said, forget it. We'll see when uh, the time comes. So we had a few lovely drinks. And then obviously, by that time, there were lots of fans around. So spoke to them, took them to our room, and said hello, hi to them. And <laughs> that was it. And then there was this call from the club saying, Kurt, eh? we have a game tomorrow against Start. I said, bloody hell. I said, okay, is somebody coming to pick me up? So uh, someone came and picked me up from there. And then I reached at about... Uh, 12.31 I was sozzled and I said I want more to drink and I haven't eaten anything so I cooked myself some food uh, I had a three-fourths of a uh, one-fourth of a bottle of uh, black label and then cooked food slept at about five o'clock in the morning and at the ground uh, what time we started the game those days 12.30 was it or 2.30 I think it was two o'clock in those days Curti. two o'clock so I got up absolutely sozzled at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, um, took a cold shower, and I was there, and I think I got a ton in that game. 47 not out. Ah, it was 27. Ah, bloody hell, not I thought it was 100. No, it's not out. It's knocked out after what you'd drunk. Yeah, yeah, and I think you, you beat Burnley as well. 47 not out and beat Burnley, I think. Stan, is that right? It was against Burnley, yeah. I can't remember the result, to be honest. I think we just need to clear this up. So I think the final was on the 25th of June. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 26, we were playing Burnley at home and we actually got beat. It was a run rate. It must have been the weather not great. And Curtis ah. was 47 and he was run out. Can we remember who ran you out, Curtis? Ah, uh, no, 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 I don't. No? I don't. Yeah, we got... I, then I was irritated and then I got that ton against them, I think. I scored 100 against them. Uh, yeah, you did. Day. That was when Madassa was the pro. They had mm. Maboot mm. as pro for them on this particular day. Um, mm. But yeah, Curtis, that story about the World Cup, there's not many other people, I'm sure, could, could tell a story like that of being you know, the pinnacle of the one-day game, winning, winning a trophy, you know, like you said, against all odds. And then coming back and playing at uh, playing alongside Stan Eaton and Brian Higgin and and the people like that. that's fantastic. Yes, that's my chicken cutty roll. Oh, lovely! <laughs> I love it. Steve, 
And, and, and as, a, as a World Cup winner, paid next to nothing. Correct. Nothing. No, no money. Uh, they said they'll give us 5,000 rupees, which would be equivalent to how much? Uh, say, uh, 300, 300, 300 quid sterling pounds. And uh, so there was, uh, because the board was very poor, they owed about three crores of rupees. And so they had uh, this great singer, uh, Lata Mageshka Naif for us. And uh, then we got a lakh of rupees each, uh, which is again less than what I would get at a contract playing for Noah House. And, uh, but anyways, we played for pride. There was no money. There was no television. There was no commercialization at that time, which came on later in the 90s when you had ESPN Star and Sky Sports and others coming into the game is when the money came. And that is uh, how uh, now they're getting paid so well with the IPL coming in and other things. But yeah. then, uh, no regrets. I mean, what can be a bigger achievement than winning a World Cup? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Jez, Stan, you know, yes. what an experience that must have been after the World Cup final, you know, playing and getting to train with um, a World Cup winner and for the juniors around the club. Well, it was, and for the spectators as well. I mean, everything we do really is for the spectators, I suppose, and the members. But, but Curti was, even though they knocked England out in the semi-final, everybody was so pleased for him. They were very much the underdogs, and the English liked nothing better than an underdog triumphing. But uh, he was, he was treated, uh, treated as, as a real hero. And obviously... As if Norhouse had won. Uh, obviously, you know, there was a decent crowd on against Burnley. Uh, and everybody was, uh, you probably had your hands shaking more times that day, Curtis, than the rest of the season. That's saying something. Uh, there were great times. I mean, if you look at the professionals, if I just refer to this, in 1983, guess who was the second in the all-league averages come the end of the season? He was the top amateur, and he was behind Ross Ormiston, the New Zealand player, test player, in the batting average. Any idea who it might be, Ben? Uh, Stanley Arthur. No, it was Jeremy Arthur. Jeremy Arthur Hope. He had to have played five innings. Jesse <laughs> five times, scored 111 runs, was only eight twice, and had a batting average, sorry, had two completed innings. Uh, yeah, only eight twice, and a batting average of 55.5. And he was ahead of Collis King, Curti Azad, Brendan McArdle, and Madassa Nazar in the batting average. Jez, as a youngster, rumour has it you were a batter originally, is that right? I know we're going off a bit here, but... Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. No, it's, it's, all, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I did a lot of, uh, a lot of batting. In, we, we talked about it in another podcast, and I don't know whether it was good for me or bad for me. We, <laughs> a, new, a third eleven created, and with three absolute legends of the club at the time, Arthur Greenwood, Rule Reeve and Herbert Marsden, and they took me under the wing as a batter and it was time cricket. So I just used to block the shit out of it all afternoon and get about 10. Um, but I got a 50 that year in the first team. And, and then I think, you know, a little bit of the, when I started to bowl, the batting just went, went quite rapidly downhill, really. Um, no explanation, maybe not enough time put on it. But, uh, but yeah, good memories. Yeah, we uh, really enjoyed, you know, playing those early years with Curti, learning a lot from that. and. You know, and as he said, you know, watching Jimmy Amanas play, I played one game with him. Um, and like you said, Stan, some fantastic pros around. There really was. Well, it's the remarkable thing about league cricket. There isn't another sport where an amateur, the Joe Bloggs, who works Monday to Friday, can play 
or could in those days, play with and against the greatest players in the world. No, no other sport like it. Right, thanks very much, Curtis. That has been absolutely fantastic. Ben, great for you coming in and uh, having a bit of an insight. I'm sure this has opened your eyes a little bit about the early 80s. Uh, thanks very much, Ben. Uh, Stan, thank you once again for your research and uh, coming in to speak to Curtis. Uh, but most importantly, Curtis, thanks very much for dialing in. I know you're, uh, you're four or five hours in front of us now, aren't you? So you'll be half past eight-ish around there? Yeah, it's half past eight, exactly. Half past eight. Soon be time for your first black label glass of whiskey, I have no doubt. Oh, it's already there, right, right in front of me. That's very good, that's very good. Curtis. I'd just like to say a big thank you for coming on the show and let's hope we can see you next, uh, next summer. That will be fantastic. Have you any closing words you want to say, Curtis? Nothing. Cheers to Lord House Cricket Club. There it is, my black label with water. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Cheers. Thank, thank you, you, Ben. Curtis. And thanks to my Bye. captain, Stan, for a beautiful interaction this evening. And all those who are watching today, the sponsors and others uh, who've made this possible for us, uh, wish you luck, guys. Uh, play well. And uh, I hope the supporters will keep on supporting the way they do. They'll be more generous towards the club. After all, uh, struggled to win for the first 100 years. And then now we have some good lads and they need some good support. So anyways, I'll be there next year. We'll be with the guys uh, maybe on a Thursday, meet with them see a game on Friday and Saturday and then leave on Sunday. Definitely, I'll be there with the club next year. All the best. Take care. Thank All you, the Kirti. best to Lord House Cricket Club. Thank you. Kirti. See you soon. Bye. Yes. Bye -bye. Send more house to save the house.